Hi, people. This is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and we are currently live in the breakout room. And today we have a special guest that we want to share with you. But I want to ask you a question, and the question is, folks, have you ever tried purchasing, starting, acquiring a business without money? <laughs> Sounds far-fetched, right? Okay, but maybe not so. In a minute, we'll have our guests coming on and we will ask him the same question. It is supposed to be his area of expertise, but for now, stay tuned for the introduction. Sometimes in life, we just suffer. Sometimes it's from being totally withdrawn so much stress that we are totally anxious or so tired that we are totally burnt out but our current position is not our final destination no indeed there's hope so whether it's your personal life, your career, your relationship, your business, or your job, we say there's reason to believe again. And we present from Andy's personal development. It's the place for help, happiness, and prosperity. Stay tuned for more. Yes, yeah, so we are live in the breakout room and we asked a question and the question was, can you acquire, purchase, buy, start a business without money? So here's the thing. Our guest is a speaker, author, adventurer. He's an accomplished entrepreneur with uh, the skills of an endurance athlete. And he buys and sells businesses for a living and has used his acquisition skills to build a multi-million children's educational group from the ground up in less than three years. But don't take it from me. Let's welcome into the breakout room our guest, Adrian Knight. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Hello, Andy. How are you doing, Adrian? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, <laughs> and welcome to the breakout room. We, we take deep pleasure in welcoming you, and your story is an amazing story, and there's someone out there that needs to hear what you went through to get where you are now. And so we're gonna ask you to go back down memory lane a little bit, Adrian. Tell us about Adrian Knight as a young man growing up, where you grew up, who you grew up with, and what lens were you seeing the world in at that time? 
Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, always points back to our childhood, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, so as I'm sure many of you can uh, tell, I've got a bit of a funny accent. Um, that's because I'm from England. So I was born and raised uh, not too far from London. Um, so about 45, 50 minutes uh, just west of London to a very loving family, um, uh, absolutely loving uh, parents, my mum and dad, and I've got a younger sister who's uh, yeah about two years younger than me. And um, yeah, we grew up, the best way to describe our childhood was very happy, uh, very loving. Um, I, would, I would sort of describe it if you're thinking in terms of uh, kind of like where we were, probably sort of lower middle class. So uh, my dad was very hardworking, um, hardworking uh, person. I worked for a car in the car sector and in the most trade as a, a middle and then senior manager. And uh, yeah, we 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 grew up happy um, with myself. So, what type of worldview did I have? It's a it's such a fascinating question because. Yeah. Um, I had one that was completely different to everyone else's. I and I don't even know what it was. I just I remember at around seven or eight years old, people asking me, "What do you want to be when you're older, and what do you want to do?" And I could never answer that, as I think very few sort of children of that age can. But what I could answer was the things I didn't want to do and what I knew I didn't want to do. And I and I always remember the top of that list was I never saw myself working a typical nine to five in an office. So I just yeah. I just I just knew that wasn't me. Yeah. And and why didn't you see yourself? Wasn't that something that was the accepted norm at that time? You go to school, you get educated properly, and then you come out and you get that nine to five, that eight to four. Why didn't you see yourself doing that? I don't know. I still to this day, I, I don't know what it was that that caused me to see it differently because the environment I grew up in was that was the norm. I mean, my dad was very hardworking. He was out the door early. He was, um, you know, back uh, of sort of early evening. I mean, maybe that in itself was why, um, because I, I saw what I didn't want to do, I guess. But I just knew it wasn't for me. I knew that what it was is I knew that would be almost it would almost feel like a cage and it would stop me from doing the things I wanted to do in life even though I didn't know what it was yeah. what I wanted to do at that age I just knew that that environment would hold me back rather than support me right thank you for sharing Adrian we appreciate that how did you acquire your entrepreneurial skills and what led you in that direction where you started acquiring businesses and helping people to acquire businesses as well what led you to that part yeah so I mean my entrepreneurial skills I've been sort of sharpening since uh I mean really since I was 13 years old so I I've always liked my cars and my motorcycles um, and when I was 12, I became really into cars, probably because my dad worked in the motor trade and he used to bring home some nice cars. And I very quickly came to the decision at the age of 12 that I wanted to save up for my first car, even though I couldn't drive until I was 17. And so um, I asked my dad if he would if he would walk to the bank with me and help me open up a second bank account for which I could put my savings and this was called my car account and then as soon as I turned 13 I got my uh, I got a paper round so I had a way of earning some money 
by the time I was 15, I had five paper rounds, but I had essentially franchised them out. So I had other people working those paper rounds and I was taking a, like a percentage of the yeah. income on top. And I was working in a, in a local paper shop, sort of developing wow. new, new accounts. And so that gave yeah. me a taste for... So Adrian, I just want to stop you there. I hope you don't mind. Where did you get the idea to bring in other people to work with you or for you and then you take something off the top. Where did that come from? It, it was it was very simple. I only had so much time, so I couldn't. There were, I mean, there was a limited amount of paper rounds uh, going, and there was right. few people who wanted to do them. And so, because I was working hard and doing a good job, the the newspaper company said, "Well, would you like to do another one?" And I said yes to the second one. Then they said, "Do you want to do another one?" And I said, so I said yes to the third one. But all of a sudden, I was taking up all my time. And then it was only when one of my friends said, "I really want to do a paper round," but there wasn't any available because I had them, and it just kind of evolved naturally. So I thought, "Well, why don't you do mine?" But I'll take a bit there. I manage the relationship, and I'll do some initial like sort of prep work, um, and it just kind of evolved from there. Really, it was very basic what was in front of you yeah and then you built and you develop and you grew from there and you started acquiring businesses how, how how difficult was that transition for you or was it something that you felt you had already prepared and built up yourself for and you just flowed into it it's a brilliant question because I always knew even at that age even in my teenage years my my, my later teenage years for some reason, there's no way of explaining this because I didn't know anybody else doing it. I had no reference point whatsoever. There wasn't even any celebrity CEOs or business people like there are today sort of doing this. But I just knew that instinctively I wanted to buy, turn around and sell companies. But it wasn't until my early 30s when I actually got going with this. And so the journey between like late teens to the point where I started buying businesses was littered with failures, like startup failures. I'm a terrible startup entrepreneur, terrible at starting businesses. And I've, I've got 12 failed startups under my belt. And then it was when I was, when I found out we was expecting our daughter Evie, that was the switch where I felt if I didn't do it now, then I never would. And I had to do something because I wasn't making enough to, support this little girl and so that got me going but in hindsight all of those failures helped shape my acquisition skills and uh, my turnaround skills more specifically yeah that, that's so important adrian and i get it i thank you for sharing now you mentioned your daughter evie being part of the catalyst that mm -hmm. caused you to realize hey i can't fail i must succeed you have 12 startup failures how can we encourage people to believe that despite the failures, there is something that can switch in their mind or maybe in their heart that could take them to the place where they will decide, you know what, despite the failures, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do it. What is the key factor that can bring them to making that decision that they can move on from the failures to success? It's, it's a great question. And it's, all about mindset yeah um and so i do a lot of this now like i've i've, I've placed so much importance on mindset and the best way to 
um, like the best quote I've heard around this that I think embodies this is by uh, Thomas Edison, um, who said, I, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I found 10,000 ways of not doing it. So I'm like a step closer. And it's the same right. principle, which yeah. is, you know, I've come to see failure is just feedback. It's didn't quite work out, say, the way I wanted to, but I've learned this. And then it's just rolling it up. What I've also come to realise is you only fail if you stop. Um, so technically, I would have failed. Like I was being advised to stop my acquisition career after my third acquisition, which was a terrible, terrible like train wreck. And uh, and I just remember saying, but we've only failed if we stop now. And actually, the fourth one has been a, a great success. That I still own their business. So. Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing. So, Adrian, I just want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to look at something that a lot of people are struggling with, and it's it's a physical aspect. You became an endurance athlete, and you had adventures, and in 2022, you ran, you cycled, you kayaked across Scotland, and then in March 23, you participated in a multi-day endurance event in the Arctic Circle in June 23. You run across Northern England and in November 23, 23rd, I am competing in the Spartan World Championship in Sparta, Greece. Now that's a lot physically. Mm. That must be quite demanding. What does it take? And, and, and what was the thing that made you decide that you're going to do these endurance stuff? Mm. So it started this is this is what everybody like like people see because the, the events have got quite extreme now and I've got even more extreme ones lined up for next year and I love it I absolutely love it um but people don't see how it started which it started with a half marathon which I signed up for because I was so out of shape and feeling so fit and I wanted something to work towards and I've done the half marathon and then that led to oh if I can do a half marathon I, I think I could do a marathon and then that led to I've done the marathon it's like oh if I could do a marathon maybe I can do a triathlon so I've done the triathlon and after doing the triathlon I was like well maybe I could do an Ironman triathlon so I've done that and it just got um like every and this is a, again like a lesson I've learned from a success perspective is that when you reach a horizon your next horizons open up. So I never could have dreamed that I would be doing this when I decided to sign that first, to do that first half marathon. But it's the same in business and in life in general. You you have this goal in front of you, you move forward. And when you accomplish it, you realize, actually, I could take this a step further. And so that's where I'm at, really. Um, the, the endurance events and the adventuring is a major part of my life that I've just come to utterly relish and it ties back into how I manage myself so um, I have a very structured morning routine that is kind of the secret source behind everything um, like certainly the business success and as part of that I exercise every day and so physically my like my aspirations have never been to you know train for an event like I, I don't train specifically for events I'm more interested in being in a, a state of steadfast so if someone turned around to me and said right Adrian let's go and climb a mountain or let's go and run this distance or swim across here I want to be in a position where I can drop my bags and say 
let's go you know that's for me and so I work on that every day yeah great wonderful story thanks for sharing <laughs> it and I, I appreciate that I love it I'm hearing what you're saying and coming out of it this is what I'm getting you choose to do it incrementally mm -hmm. you started with the half and then you went to the whole and then you know as time went along you realize hey you know what if I could do this and I can do a bit more, and I can do a bit more. And you see you pattern that same kind of mindset into your business life and your daily routine. And you, you talk about the secret sauce. I admire that. But you also said that you don't want to just train for a specific event. You want to be always prepared so you can just drop your bags if someone calls and you can become involved. How do we get people to understand that it's not about the competition, but it's about relevance. And I think that's a key word there that describes your commitment to just being ready, being relevant to what is happening so that at a moment's notice, you don't have to think about preparing, you're already prepared. So it's like you're, you're one step or two step ahead. How do we get people to understand the importance of that? Because I too struggle with that a bit myself. Mm -hmm. Some days I do it, some days I don't. But what kind of mindset, Adrian, does it take to be constantly in that state of preparedness? I think it comes down to like, uh, the, like the why. Yeah, yeah. Why do you want to be that prepared? And for me, my my life aspiration above everything else is to live a full and exciting life. Like I genuinely want to live life to the fullest. And certainly earlier, mm -hmm. um, like in my early to mid twenties there were opportunities that came along that like life opportunities that I either missed or I didn't grab because yeah. I wasn't ready or I didn't see them because I wasn't in the right mindset. And I believe this happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so um, my life started to change when I, I started to shift into this perspective. And so every day when I wake up I wake up at 4am every day and those first three hours of the day to seven maybe even seven thirty to three and a half hours I focus on nothing but me okay and I visualize and I meditate and I'm and I'm in a conscious state of gratitude for things that I have and things that I uh, I'm visualizing and want to have and then I exercise and what I found is that that puts me into an, ele an elevated state so right. um so it's my mindset so um I'm in a much clearer and I'm a better version of myself as I go into the day, which in turn feeds in itself because I go to bed at night because it's such a joyous part of the day. I go to, because I'm investing all this time in me, I go to bed at night, genuinely looking forward to waking up at four to do it all again. And so you're constantly feeding the staple of being prepared while also being in a position to sort of capture every possible opportunity that comes your way that you want to do. Right. Wonderful. I get what you're saying and it, it sparks my interest because you use a word there, grateful. And, and mm. I think that a whole lot of people are missing the essence of understanding how powerful it is to be grateful. I mean, leaders somehow to me seem to think that their position is one of authority and power. When I think personally, while you may have position or authority, based on your appointment, at the end of the day, it's about being grateful that you have the opportunity to serve, 
from that level. And that takes me to this next thing that you did. You built a multi-million children's education group from the ground up in less than three years. How did you arrive at that, Adrian? What was the thing that made you do such a great project? So I had, I was very early in my um, business acquisition journey. Um, but I, I knew then that, you know, running a business is hard. It's hard, hard work. And it takes up so much time and energy, not just physically being at the office or at your laptop or wherever you are, but mentally as well. And I just felt that if I was going to invest that time and energy, which I'm more than prepared to do, then it had to be more than just money. Like there had to be something else to this because I was going to, and am devoting, you know, a major part of my life to this as we all do devote a major part of our life to work. And so I knew it had to be, there had to be more meaning to that. There had to be a, like an, like a social impact to it, but I didn't know like what or where that would be until I became a dad and started to get exposed to this whole new world of, of children and, and uh, through a series of like serendipitous events that have been sort of shown just how critical those childhood years, particularly under five, like the first five years of someone's life is to how they develop and grow as a person. And so that kind of, that, that sort of filled a, the missing puzzle link for me. So I made a conscious decision that I wanted to have an involvement in children's education. Now, when I made that decision, it was in August, 2020, I didn't have any grand plans of it has to be an empire like I was I was coming at it from a like a strong why of I don't care how small I just want to have some form of involvement in this um for personal meaning and fulfillment but what was interesting was because I was coming and still am to this day that's not changed um because I was then and am now coming at it from that that place first but also an understanding that there has to be a, a viable commercial business sitting here otherwise it can't grow and it can't you know sort of continue that impact yeah. like op- the right opportunities found themselves and and things just started to fall into place quite quickly so I used my acquisition skills to acquire acquire and do it in such a way so that we was able to grow very quickly so at the moment as of right now we educate just under 10,000 under five-year-olds every academic term here in the UK um, and that's just from two of the three companies that we have in that in right. that group so right, right. wonderful wonderful <laughs> great stuff Adrian I appreciate it two things I hear coming out of that and I must commend you for keeping your perspective fresh you said that the basic thing that started you in acquisition and, and the way in which you envisage your life, it hasn't changed. It has remained the same because that's the foundation of what you've been doing. And secondly, your personal experience, especially when you saw Evie come into the picture, made you reflect and think about, hey, I need to be participating in the growth and development of children. You call a number there, 10,000. Are there any specific programs, Adrian, that you have in place that you're working with these children in terms of their development? Is it physiotherapy? Is it psychological? Is it emotional? What kind of programs do you have for their development in place? 
Mm. So we in the UK, we have so the government publishes an academic framework. So yeah. it's uh it's called the early years foundational stages, and there's seven aspects to it. So key areas where schools and educational uh facilities have to educate their like their children. And those areas cover things from like speech and language and communication skills through to physical activity, through to uh, discovering the world and mathematics like key areas yeah. so the two main businesses that we have are aligned to that framework and the idea is to build out like a couple more businesses and to make it a an integrated learning experience so the businesses that we have at the moment focus on speech and language communication for under five-year-olds and the other one is on it's more music and movements and discovering the world through uh through music and uh yeah sort of developing social skills through that as well so they're our main focus from an acquisition perspective i'm currently looking at and in conversations with a few other brands that will sort of fit into that offering um yeah so <laughs> collaboration collaboration yeah 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 great Thanks for sharing, Adrian. We appreciate it. In terms of the future, where do you see yourself going from here? I know you talk about doing a collaboration with other brands and stuff, but other than that, what are other things that you see on the horizon? I know you're a man of vision <laughs> going forward that you would like to really accomplish. So the Children's Education Group is uh, it's called Spectacular Group. So that's in a good place. And we've got scale now where I don't need to be involved day to day. And so there's a very capable team of people in there who, quite frankly, Andy, do a far better job of running the day to day than I ever could. So I feel very grateful again and very blessed that they are there and that the business is attracting the right type of people to grow it. Um, so I'm quite happy that's on the right tracks. And what I know that that needs now is time. It okay. just needs time. And we keep on adding some acquisitions at the right time. So that's in a good place. For me personally, I have, because I have a lot of free time on my hands, um, because I'm not involved day to day, um, and I'm choosing my acquisitions very, very carefully now, um, I spend a lot of my time focused on personal development so I focus on my personal development which incorporates things such as uh, doing these endurance events and these adventuring events and seeing how far I can push myself and I've also um, started offering and doing uh, coaching with people who want to buy businesses um, but also people who want to uh, take a similar approach to like how they live their life from a personal development perspective so i'm enjoying working with people on that and um just making them again nothing's changed but making the most of yeah. of life really and uh while i can so <laughs> <laughs> okay great wonderful here's the thing that i want to focus on a little bit it's the million dollar question mm. how can people seek to develop acquire businesses or even buy a business without having that liquid capital available in hand it's a great question and 
this is I get asked this so much and rightfully so particularly when you think of what can be achieved when you get this right if you look at that spectacular group um so it all comes down to a person's ability to identify the right opportunities but then to approach those conversations in the right way where people go wrong with buying small businesses is that they assume it's it's like how they see in the movies or you know it's it's sort of hard negotiation around the table and it's all about the numbers and it's cutthroat that could not be like more opposite of how it actually is when you're buying a small business you have to recognize that this is someone's life work in most cases they've been spending 15 20 25 plus years building this business very often they started the business and they started like doing the doing so they were baking the cakes or fixing the cars or doing the engineering and then they've grown over time but the owners of those businesses have reached a point where their priorities are shifting and they're looking to move on and they want their life's work to go to a safe pair of hands but also they want to be compensated for that um, fairly and so going in as a buyer it's about it's about being very open in conversations and it's about building trust and it's about just sort of having these transparent conversations with the owners saying look I am a safe pair of hands and showing them that you're a safe pair of hands but it's a very risky thing for me to go and take my life savings or put my house on the line to buy your business because yeah. unlike buying a property where you have bricks and mortar when you buy a business you essentially have contracts and people and you can't buy people and almost certainly some of those people will leave when you go into the business. And a lot of small businesses don't have contracts and the contracts they do have don't tend to be worth the paper they're written on. So right. it's about coming to a place, an agreement with the owner where you agree to pay them the fair value for the business, but you want to do it in a way that's going to protect your risk. And what a lot, a lot of owners very quickly realise is that there's not a cure of people lining up to buy their business and so they've become more open and more willing to have these conversations particularly if they're looking to get out sooner rather than later okay yeah wow that's interesting i i can't remember thinking about it in in that manner but i i understand where you're coming from and i appreciate it so here's the thing if someone who is ambitious let's say a young individual, a young man, 18, 19 years, and they have an idea of getting into business and they need to do a startup at least. What are some of the things intricately that they need to focus on in terms of what may be required, not just financing or a support team around them, but in terms of having an understanding how the business world works and what kind of pitch that they need to make to get the person on the other side to believe in them, to support their dream and give them the opportunity to at least make uh, a run at it so that at some point in time, they should hit success. What are some of the mm. things you would advise that young individual to do? And I know there are the statutory requirements as well, paperwork and stuff, but what should their main focus be in trying to start up and get successful? Unquestionably, without a single doubt in my mind, 
the focus should and always should be on sales and generating sales. It's the best skill you can develop as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. And without sales, you have no business. And so, um, yeah, I see a lot of startup entrepreneurs, and I was the same in my very, very early uh, early days, who were so busy, you know, getting the the back office ready and the all of the 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 paperwork lined up. But if you don't have any sales, you you don't have a business. Yeah. So I would focus entirely on sales, and as the sales start to come in, I would use the cash flow from that to very gradually do not rush into this very gradually start to bring in support who can pick up some of those like the back end like the delivery or the um the finances is always a, a good place to start and start and tidy that up that's the quickest way of of moving forward i've never been a big fan of going out and raising money to then start a business i've always instinctively felt that the best the best market research and the best way to, to finance a business certainly in the early stages is by signing like selling to customers by making sales because you learn and refine your product or service in the process and it self-funds and if they're not buying no matter how much money you raise there's clearly an inherent problem of what you're offering because people aren't buying yeah, yeah. You, you know so yeah great <laughs> wonderful perspective Thank you again for sharing, Adrian. Um, in paying attention to what you're saying, you are really happy with the job that the folks are doing with the children at, at the, the foundation that you have built. And that's amazing. But what kind of advice would you give to entrepreneurs in building a workforce, a support team, the people that they're going to rely on to run the practical day-to-day -day aspects of their business? What are some of the things that they should be guided by with regards to qualifications, mindset, past experience, things that they need to look at so that when they choose these people like you did, you know that you don't really have to worry about what's happening after you walk away. Folks are going to be responsible enough to take up their positions and function effectively and efficiently. What are some mm. of the key factors that they should look for in acquiring a workforce that you know it's going to be there for you. Yeah, so there's two things that are front and central to my mind here. The first one is that if you are looking to be more hands-off, is to recognise that you still need someone leading that business. And if it's not you, that's fine. But you need someone who those people in the business are going to turn to and, and they see as like the boss or the leader or the, whatever that term is um that's very important because you can't fully step back if you've got even if you've got managers even the managers need someone to report into now that person who is that boss or leader or ceo or whatever the the term is i've come to realize that it is important i feel that they have some skin in the game so they have um some some ownership it doesn't yeah. have to be 50 50 but certainly something that's going to incentivize and yeah. also that they are paid well on top of that you right. need to keep them motivated that's the sort of a key component the second thing that really comes to mind which i've learned the hard way with this 
is that when it comes to hiring people and employing people, I have one mantra that I just say and that I've now ingrained into my managers who are hiring, which is hire for attitude, train for skill. And I and I can't emphasize that enough. The amount of people that I've hired based on their qualifications, but who had some, you could sort of see it, but it wasn't big enough, but some sort of, you know, specking an attitude that wasn't quite right, but... At, you know you sort of you looked at it and like oh, I'd be okay but then over a period of six months it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and it caused problems whereas my preferred approach is to find someone whose attitude is just like like yeah you can't fault them they're proactive they want to get involved um they may not have all the skills but then you can put in the training and development to give them those skills and because of their attitude they will take that and run with that and surprise you greatly so yeah that one I just can't I've been burnt quite a few times not following that mantra so <laughs> yeah and you have learned your lessons pretty well right oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I can imagine so we've been going for about 40 minutes or so and we come into the end of the program but I, I always like to try to create some level of relaxation uh, on my podcast so I want to challenge you a little bit on something, and it has to do with food, motor vehicle, and probably sports. So let me start with sport first. You have an English background. Mm. In England, it's soccer. In North America, it's the NFL. Vastly different, right? Yeah. On any given day, which one would you choose? Ah, you know what? I would probably choose the NFL. Ah. And the reason I say that is because uh-huh. my friends, have, like ever since I was a kid, they uh-huh. used to say I was an American born in the wrong country. Like I've always <laughs> been more interested in the US and US sports than uh-huh. English, even yeah. though like, soccer is universal. But yeah, NFL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I get that. I get that. So, would you prefer the tradition, the traditional uh, fish and chips, or KFC, McDonald's? Can I choose pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I love pizza. I love okay. pizza. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, great. In England, I see there's a lot of BMWs. Am I right? Yes, far too many. Yeah, as opposed to Lincoln in the US. What yeah. Do you choose. I would choose a Lincoln again. So, yeah. Why? US. Why the Lincoln, Adrian? Why the Lincoln? <laughs> because so my my dad worked for BMW for many years. He ran one of the largest dealerships in of BMW dealerships in the in the country, and yeah. I grew up around BMWs, and so I'm sick of them. Um, uh, quite frankly, like I've I've never had one. I don't plan to have one. They're lovely cars, but because I've grown up with it. Um, I just like things which are a little bit different, a little bit more, not unconventional, yeah. but I just like to try new things, you know. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to try just one more. Okay. <laughs> and it's, is it Google for you or Microsoft? Google all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Why Google? 
I don't know, it's just the, just the, it's just what everybody uses. And I remember being in my science class when I was, I must have been what, 14, 13, 14. Yeah. And my science teacher saying this new thing about the Google, but be careful not to, to surf on there for too long because it would add up on the phone bill. But um, yeah, I love Google. A very, very impressive organization. Quite yeah. scary in many ways, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always that. Okay, so Adrian, what would you say to, and, and I want you to think about it in this manner. Let's just imagine you have a megaphone and you can speak to the almost 8 billion people that are on this planet. You just have this one opportunity that you can say something to them, but you know it's going to be part of your legacy that you want them to remember. What would you say to them, Adrian? You're the greatest asset you will ever own like investing yourself investing yourself prioritize yourself like and investing yourself because yeah. when you do it will have a direct impact on every other area of your life and you can't fully give to others until you first give to yourself so again is you're the greatest asset you'll ever own yeah love that thank you for sharing so Adrian, I'm going to give you the opportunity to share your social hashtag handles with our audience, how they can make contact with you for your expertise and the services that you offer, the things that you do, just share with them. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm extremely active on Instagram and I'm starting to get quite active on TikTok. Uh, my handle is Adrian J Knight. That's night with a K. And uh, particularly on Instagram, I, I I post several times a day and I share my life from like when I wake up at four, I, I sort of show what my routine is every single day. Um, I show inside my businesses. I, I sort of talk about acquisitions I'm looking at. And I just try to share very authentically because people, it would be quite easy to see like the nice car or whatever, but they don't actually see what, like the reality behind that and I want people to to understand that um I'm I, I'm very contactable very approachable so I get a lot of messages I love speaking to people um and it's also the best place to to find out more about um the coaching that I do uh which is uh sort of two levels is the um sort of helping people to get their their sort of structure and day right so they can make the most of of who they are and become everything they can, uh, but also the acquisition training and how they can, or how you can buy a business with with no money down, like the right type of businesses. And more importantly, what do you do once you've bought that business? Because yeah. buying it is the easy part. So. Yeah. Great, wonderful. Thank you for sharing. So you have heard from Adrian Knight, the accomplished entrepreneur, adventurer and endurance athlete and his life, his business, and the work he's doing with over 10,000 children in the UK. It's a wonderful, amazing accomplishment by this young man. We thank him so much for being on the program. Remember people, our three watchwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. And as we continue, always remember that you are your greatest investment that's what adrian said and that's the thing that i want you to remember the most if you don't remember anything about this program this episode remember that you are your greatest asset and your greatest investment should be made in you that's what warren buffett said not in acquisitions but in yourself put that value on yourself and you can accomplish in time health 
happiness, and prosperity. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development in the breakout room with Adrian Knight saying so long. God bless. Shalom. Namaste. Bye for now, people. See you next time.